Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Welcome you to this episode of the show where tonight we're going to be talking about my film pick of the week from 1987, Don't Panic, directed by Ruben Galindo Jr. Uh, should you panic about what we're going to talk about later on? Maybe. Uh, we're going to find out a lot about Michael, the 17-year-old. So we're going to be talking about that later on in the show. But of course, I'm joined by the returning, the bold and the beautiful, so go get Keith. Buenos noches. Bienvenidos. Do you believe in Satan? Do you believe in Virgil? Do you believe in evil? Oh, wait. Wrong believe in This is not evil. No, instead we do have the one, the only, Virgil. And I don't mean <laughs> billion-dollar man's African-American <laughs> bodyguard. No, 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 no. His friend. I just... I mean, the devil himself is going by the name of Virgil. Who knew? Changes the whole thing. Freaking the devil went down to Georgia, that's for sure. Yeah, imagine that. You're like, my name's Virgil. Get him! All of a sudden, they're just chasing with pitchforks. Oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I'd like, wow. let's do that reimagining. <laughs> it's got to go in the middle. It's got to kill it. Get him, Johnny! Get him! <laughs> Virgil went down to Georgia. He was looking for his soul to steal. All of a sudden, Johnny shows up at this fucking 12 gauge. Oh, shit. Indeed. Hello, um, and, and yes, I, I am indeed back. So, so hi, everybody. How you doing tonight? We are so <laughs> glad to have you back. Um, so, we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the prince to my moral day. Yeah, let's get fucking with the monkey. Welcome, Fred fans. It's time for your favorite horror podcast. That's right. It's talking terror time, baby. Your go-to podcast for horror news, nerdgasms, and movie reviews. Every Wednesday night, we are coming at you live from 9 to 11 p.m. But if you can't catch us live, don't worry, baby. You can also catch any of our hundreds of episodes down in the Talking Terror catacombs that are always available on Blog Talk, Spotify, and iTunes. While you're at it, make sure to like and subscribe to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby. What is up, my fright family? Woo! What is going on? All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So, sounds any better, monkey? I had to fix it. Yes, sir. Real quick. Okay. Hi, excellent, Goo. Excellent. Welcome back, Goo. Uh, it is nice to I, have I you back, to... brother. <laughs> thank, thank you, monkey, for for pointing out to the king that his sound quality was a little bit off. I was gonna do so. I was gonna do so, but you know me, I prefer. To I do appreciate it. it. To really make. I, I like to do it while we're running. This way, everybody gets all embarrassed. Yeah. Like, oh, who's, who's making this sound? I don't sound funny. Do I sound funny? Because you know us here. We're fucking not the best. 
Yes. Yeah. With with the, <laughs> uh, the monkeys heavy breathing and the train. Okay. Yeah. King, King must be stepping out to smoke a cigarette. We hear gunshots. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, motherfucker! Bang, bang. Oh, it's Kansas City. I want my money, bitch. Anyway, let's talk about this Halloween, guys. <laughs> this is how we answer the door in King's neighborhood. Who is it? Yeah, that's right. That's how I always answer my door. Who is it? <laughs> See, everybody, everybody thinks Lancaster's all about Amish people. You know what I mean? But no, oh, no, 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 no. The reality is, is Lancaster is the hood. It is indeed oh, yeah. the hood. It's the gang gang oh, oh. hood around here. You go down one long street, yeah. white boy. You better just fucking keep running. I just think it's like it's a, a white boy like old men, you know what I mean? Like pop-ops and yeah. granddads and everything. It's the gang gang. <laughs> no, that's what, the, that's what the cool hip kids call it nowadays. They're like, yeah, gang gang. I'm like, okay, shit, just don't kill me. I'm just coming home from CVS with some Dayquil. I don't want to get shot, homie. <laughs> <laughs> you got that Dayquil. crack? No, on, sir. <laughs> no, man, that's when you sit there and get up in their face and be like, man, dude, not nah, fuck with me. I have 10 copies of Night of the Living Dead at home, bitch. <laughs> and I've got all alone, you can have any multicolored variants of that one movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 17 different covers. And if you leave me alone, you guys could have any one of them. <laughs> I promise I'll give you one. Yeah, but no, sorry, no, it's it's very scary around here sometimes. I don't go out every night. <laughs> yeah, once the night comes, I'm like, nope, I'm in for the night. <laughs> All the doors are locked. <laughs> Not going anywhere. So, yeah. Door to day, it's like, hey, we're fun, we're hip. Look, their Amish people are out. Look, everybody's buying pickles and artisanal candles. But at night, it's like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> All of a sudden, it becomes like the escape from New York. It's like a Duke driving no, down oh, the street in his yeah. fucking Cadillac. Only on first Friday is it white people night in Lancaster when all the white people come out for that one night of the month. Other than that, stay the fuck home. Yeah, white people Fridays. That's what I always call it, white people Fridays. Yep. That's when they're like, hey, we're outside and it's nighttime and we don't feel harmful at all. We're good. <laughs> you know? But no, the following Friday, nope. There's fucking tumbleweeds rolling through the streets. Now this thing, this trash cans being dumped over, and no, nope, no, you don't want to be out there. But enough about my neck of the woods. Uh, uh, Ghoul, you're back. Uh, you recently watched two movies, and I wanted to get your thoughts on them. First, of being Cocaine oh, Bear. You. What did yeah. you think about that? We talked about it last week with my perspective, but I wanted to get yours uh, for the air. Oh well, I mean, come on, it's Cocaine Bear. You know, I, I could have sworn I thought I had. I, wow, I really wasn't on the air. I wasn't on the air after Cocaine Bear. I thought I was. Nope. Um, that was last week. Oh, nope. Holy shit. Damn. Um, yeah, no, listen, Cocaine Bear was a lot of fucking fun. You know, it was a, uh, it was cheesy in all the right ways. Uh, it is, you know, I, I spoke to some people who were like, oh, yeah, we heard it's like trauma level gory. And I'm like, okay, listen, anybody saying that this movie is trauma level gory <laughs> has obviously never seen a trauma movie before. Uh, right. No, this, this is a little bit different. You know, is it a little more splattery than today's typical freaking horror movies? Yeah, I mean, the ones that get theatrical runs anyway, like, you know, the, the stuff that we see on Shudder and Screenbox and all this other shit is just as splattery as, as, as we've always had it. But I think this is good mainstream, 
funny horror comedy. You know, the the humor hit in all the right ways and, and uh, the horror bits, if you want to call it that. You know, yeah, they, they were all homages to all those 70s and 80s wildlife horror films. So I had a damn good time with it. And what did you think about Creed 3? You got that special pass on that Wednesday night viewing. Yeah. How was it? Yes, 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 indeed. You know, we saw it on the uh, the IMAX, um, you know, as the mm-hmm. uh, specific scenes, the fight sequences are filmed, you know, with IMAX cameras. I believe the majority of the movie is filmed with the IMAX cameras. So I know it was a very expensive, you know, movie to make. Um, you know, it's... So oh, like non sounds like you dealt. You know, it's, <laughs> it's 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 not my favorite of the Creed films. You know, my favorite of the Creed okay. movies is still the original Creed. Um, mm. This movie, you know, for me anyway, I felt I do want to see it again, but I felt let down overall by by what I saw. You know, because when I watched the trailer for this movie. And I, I, in my own head, the story that I see in this film, to me, felt like this movie could be on par quality-wise and story-wise with the original Rocky. Like, I honestly hmm. believe that. Like, I believe that, that, that Creed three could have possibly told a story from an African-American perspective showing two sides of failure and success and frame it in a way that you would be feeling not just sympathy for both the characters, but also a point of, of, I guess maybe even like empathy for it. Uh, I, I think they could have really played with this, this balance a little bit more than they did. And instead I feel like what they kind of delivered was something more on par with like, the Rocky threes and the Rocky fours, you know, like I, there's a story in this movie and it's, 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 I don't know. It says the movie's an hour and 51 minutes when like I looked it up or whatever it is, but we went to a seven o'clock showing, you know, when we went into the theater, it was about seven 15 trailers ended after like two, maybe we saw two trailers and then the trailers were done, but I was out of that theater by 9.08. So how's a movie an hour and 51 minutes if it didn't start until 7.30 and I'm walking out at 9? It doesn't make any sense. Was it fucking 20 minutes no. worth of credits? Like, like I, I didn't see where that correlated. So, you know, but that was definitely because I remember looking at my phone and seeing 9.08 and being like, wow, you know, that movie was much shorter. So unless they were counting the trailers in with the runtime, uh, which they mm. never do. Normally, that's that's well, they're not no. supposed to anyway. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the movie feels like it could have been maybe like 35, 40 minutes longer, and it would have been able to deliver a better story. Or, I mean, you know, you know me with things with series and everything. Honestly, this could have been two movies that probably could have fucking blown the world up, like if they did it wow. correct. But. Again, they, they delivered what they delivered, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I'll probably enjoy it a little bit more the second time, not having, not having a super elevated expectation. And I don't want to say anything to ruin the story for anybody that hasn't seen it. Uh, I know, King, you've started watching 
you know, all the rest of the Rockies and then the Creed films. So I have. What, yeah. what Creed film are you on at this point? Have you seen Creed 1 and 2 yet? Uh, just, uh, I, I did Rocky Balboa. Like I said, now I'm on the Creed. I'm in the first half hour of Creed. So I stopped it like oh, a half okay. hour in. I was like, I'll finish up this weekend, you know? So, cause I want to dedicate the weekend to watching Creed two as well. So I'm going to do probably both of them this weekend. Nice. So I, I'm excited for it. Like I've been enjoying it. Like I said, I'll, I'll fully talk about it next week when the Dean's back, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. They're, they're, they're really good. More than I thought they would be. So then in, in your opinion, I mean, yeah. Um, so, was Creed 3 possibly a paycheck movie compared to 1 and 2, in your opinion? No. No, 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 no. Because I, I think that, uh, you know, I think Michael B. Jordan did a decent job as a first-time director. Uh, little things mm. that I liked, you know, I, I, they had the same cinematographer, but somebody told somebody what to do because they, the, the camera style is not the same. And that's something that I was happy with um, because there were certain mm-hmm. things that were done in Creed 2 that I, I really wasn't thrilled with. They, they took a bit of a risk for the final fight um, of the movie. Uh, but again, that's something that you'll either – it's one of those where you'll either really love it or you'll really hate it. Um, you know, so I don't know. Like I said, when the king sees it, he'll see it. Monkey, you'll eventually you know, be on one of your websites to watch. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We will, yeah, we, I'm actually hoping. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, hearing from everybody for it. But again, seeing it on IMAX was worth it. That was really cool because again, the, you know, you can't beat that IMAX screen. The freaking thing is gigantic, and you know, you feel like you're really, you're really watching a movie the way movies are meant to be seen. Yeah, no, I I love uh, going to IMAX movies, and yeah, I'm hoping to to catch Creed three before it leaves theaters. Or if it's out of theaters, by the time I get to it, I'll just rent it, uh, just because I'm really having a good time with Creed. So I'm looking forward to Creed too, because the Dean last week is like, oh, by the way, Ivan Drago's back in part two, and I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, that's insane. All right, now I have to get the two. I was like, I have to get the two now. <laughs> I want to see where he's been since Rocky Four, living in uh, in Siberia. <laughs> of course he would be. Like that's well, awesome. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, too, you know, building up to mm-hmm. all of this, you know, like I I, I watched. Creed and Creed 2 prior to going to see it, but what I also did was uh, I did a rewatch of the uh, the Sylvester Stallone directed Rocky 4. Um, mm-hmm. He recut the movie, so now it kind of yeah. it paints it paints Drago and yeah yeah no he did a full recut of it uh, down the montages, so it's not like <laughs> montage montage montage. No. If you watch Rocky 4, <laughs> it's mostly montages. <laughs> Um, it is. Yeah, yeah I love it. Added a bit of story to it. You got a little bit more of uh, got a little more Apollo in the movie as well, mm. um, which doesn't necessarily. I, I prefer the original release Rocky Four over Stallone's version, but if you do love mm-hmm. the Rocky universe, it is well. It's, it's worth checking out just to at least experience it once, and it does kind of give you. Uh, it gives a little more clarity to – it gives a little more depth to Drago's character and makes it feel more in line with what you're going to see in Creed 2. Oh, interesting, yeah. I mean, well, Rocky Four has like one of my favorite montages when Stallone's driving around in that car 
just thinking about Apollo being dead, and then he's thinking about the robot, and there's that song, there is no easy way out. I was like, that's fucking... Uh-huh, I see it. He's thinking about everything that you saw in the first fucking 15 minutes of the movie. Okay, that's what it's he's thinking about. It's a recap You know movie. what you saw? It? It's the fucking recap of the first 15 minutes of the film that starts 15 minutes into the movie. Like, but, in case you forgot what happened. <laughs> In case you forgot yeah, I love it when they do that ago, in the movie. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a, yeah, it's like that just happened 20 minutes ago. And there's Paulie going, whoa, it's a robot, Rocco. <laughs> yeah, we just saw that. Yeah. <laughs> what really just happened? <laughs> Why are you sad driving around thinking about that? But, no, it's, 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 I love the montages in Rocky. Um, but I'm glad you had fun. Uh, the next one uh, for you, Gula, and for myself is Scream 6. I know you're going tomorrow. I'm going on Saturday. Uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I've avoided all the reviews because the reviews are starting to come out. You know, they're starting to talk about it. So I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Like, all the horror groups, I don't want to hear about it. I want to know about it. So it's tough. Like, you have to go kind of social media dark, you know, to avoid, you know, seeing these things. But I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but I'm just hoping it's better than five. Like, I'm just I, hoping I, well, again, I mean, we, we know from some characters that are returning that it's definitely going to be connected to five. Uh, yeah, oh, I yeah. Mean, totally. I know you dislike five a lot more than I dislike five. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, I think from everything that I've seen in the trailers, you know, like, I just, I feel... I feel like I'm going into this with very low expectation. And the only reason I'm doing that is because everything they're saying is this is going to be unlike any screen movie you've ever seen. You're going to see a new mm-hmm. ghost face. And, you know, like, I'm not going to go in figuring that that's really what I'm going to see. Because I know if I go in with that expectation, this movie's going to be a fucking other scream film. And I'm going to be like, well... You know, they got me. I was stupid enough to think that this was going to be anything other than another Scream movie. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've watched whatever trailer they've shown me a number of times at, at AMC. You know, it's that. I've avoided everything else like, like normal as far as, like, going social media dark. I really have kept kind of a real low profile on social media lately anyway because I'm just really not in the mood to fucking see shit from everybody else anymore. Um with everything, you know. <laughs> I love you all out there. I really do. But you know what? Everybody's fucking day-to-day drama can go fuck. You know, I'm, I'm, I got my own mm-hmm. shit to, to deal with. You know, I don't want to see everybody else's fucking whiny, spiny shit. I want to. I want on Facebook. I got my. Like, we got our own bills. We're trying to pay. Like, we don't give a shit about you. Seriously, <laughs> you know, like my fucking car, yeah. all kinds of shit's going on in my own life. You know what I mean? So, mm. and, and I'm not gonna be posting on Facebook about it. Like I went on, on fucking Facebook no. for five minutes yesterday, and, and like a friend of mine, and, and they had a terrible tragedy. But like in that five minutes, like it left me fucking like openly weeping in my living room. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me! Like and this is what <laughs> happens sucks. when I go on fucking social media. It's like, come on, man! Like I'm done with it. You know, it's sad or I get to see all the fucking people that I know from Goose who are all going to fucking watch all the Goose shows that are happening at the Capitol Theater this weekend or right now, starting tonight, for the next five fucking days or whatever. Mm. You know what? I can't afford a hundred fucking dollar plus ticket, you know, for each fucking night. Actually, I mean, they're going aftermarket right now for 200 plus. You know, like, eat my ass. You know, like, a, a year ago, I was able to see my bands for fucking $40 in a fucking near-empty stadium. <laughs> You know, now now every other asshole under the sun is going to see him. So you know what? Eat me, enjoy it, and when it fucking dies down, I'll go back and see my band again. So what happens when they get popular? But yeah, I know the Facebook oh, is such a fucking thing. 
I, I hate it. I, I only go on the Facebook to post memes and then to work on the talking therapy page. That's it. I just want to make people fucking laugh at my fucking this stupid memes, and that's it. I, you know, because then I'll look down, and all of a sudden, somebody be like, my fucking cat died, and then my dad got hit by a car, and then I lost my job. And I'm like, God damn. I, I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. <laughs> I'm never so sad. Like, it sucks. You know, uh, and then the random shit of yeah, you know, if you want to be blessed by God today, you know, respond amen, and it's like fuck off. Yeah. Oh, they show like the handful of cash, and they're like, do you want fat stacks of cash? You know, just pray to the Lord, and by tomorrow you'll see it. I'm like, no, you're not. You are definitely not. I want to meet the guy that does. I want to meet the guy that prays, and all of a sudden he's like, wow, look at all these fat stacks of cash. <laughs> It worked, guys. <laughs> All I just did was say, hey, God, I need some money, and there it was. Poof. Uh, you're, you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. Or, you know, the, the typical, like, my, my uncle's cousin did this, and it was real. You know, this guy messaged her saying he was some African oh, yeah. prince that has all this fucking money sitting on a table and he doesn't know what to do with it. So if you message him, he'll send you money. Like, yo, okay, let me give him, hold on, let me give him my credit card first, okay? So he can transfer it directly onto my credit card account. You want my three-digit fucking PIN number? Yeah, let me give that to you too. Hold on. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait to get all this money. Oh, just say Nothing but scams and doom scrolling on Facebook. Uh, but before I get into horror news, because there's a couple things I want to talk about, I also want to say last week was the first roller derby game of the season, Dutchland Rollers versus the Scream Queens. Of course, Our Lady Marie uh, is on that team. She is a blocker, 1793. She won the MVP of the night for her best blocker in her game against oh, the Scream shit. Queens. Fucking knocking oh, people down left and right like it's nobody's business. Like, at one point, she literally just knocked somebody down just for the hell of it. And I was like, yeah! And I was like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm talking too loud. And I was like, I'm, I'm screaming too loud at this. But, uh, when you're only talking about you're screaming too loud. You're at a roller derby event. That's what you're supposed no, because to do. That's, like, that's, like, that's like screaming too loud at a monster truck rally. Well, okay. no, because it, it, it's, it's different because it's in, like, a, a roller rink. But they, they encourage you to cheer, but not, like, too loud. Because then they're like, well, you're just distracting and stuff like that. So you can't. They try to encourage you to kind of cheer for the whole team, not for any particular person. So me, the fucking idiot that I am, I make this big sign that says, Marie Rule, 1793 forever. And I bring it in, and not a single person has a sign. Not a single person has a sign or anything. And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, does anybody have one? Like, just one person. Just one person. I want to make eye contact with the one person that has one. Nobody. I was the only one that brought a sign. Things at did, a did you raise it up? Event, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's ready for WrestleMania. This is, this is a roller derby, yeah. bitch. I was like, this is awesome. I'll definitely bring a sign. So what I did on the low key was I folded it in half, and then every time she would be on the track, I would just kind of take it out and just kind of wave it a couple times, and then I would put it back when she left. <laughs> Trying to low key, like, you know, like, yay. Did they, have, did they have bleachers, man? No, no bleachers. I was going to say, should have did is just stand at whatever the highest point is. You shouldn't say anything, that shit. You know what I mean? You should have just gotten up on, like, one of the fucking benches and just held that shit up high the whole time. You know what? And, and fuck that. Yeah. Boo the other Boo the villains, yeah. man. See, this is the problem we're having at all of these live events these days. You're not allowed to make noise. You're not allowed to fucking cheer for shit. You can't fucking be noisy. Like, we go to fucking shows sometimes, and it's like, man, motherfuckers are, like, sitting down there 
quiet as shit. You know, like, look, I don't want you talking during whatever music that I'm watching, but at the very fucking least, get up and fucking dance and enjoy yourself. You know, like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? Why did you come to a concert to stand there and watch them from a fucking distance? You can watch it on a fucking stream. Watch that shit on YouTube, then. If you're not going to fucking move, don't be there. Because not moving, watching the fucking, I want to kick you at that point, you know? And fuck that. Get <laughs> noisy if you're at the, the fucking roller derby, man. Shit, that's like me yeah. when I was a little kid and I went to my first hockey game. My uncle was ready to fucking strangle me. I was like 10 years old. All I knew from hockey was what I like thought it was based on Mad Magazine and fucking television. So I'm out there fucking watching the Rangers play the Penguins and I'm fucking, I'm, cur- I'm 10. I'm cursing. I'm going, <laughs> yeah, kill those motherfuckers. Do all this. I'm like, yeah, I'm the fucking coolest person in Madison Square Garden right now, right? Dude, my uncle brought me home at the end of the game. He's like, I'm, he's like, Frank, Donna, I'm never bringing Keith to a hockey game again. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what he was saying the whole time. The beating I caught for what came out uh. of my mouth at that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it changed my life, okay? It was fucking vicious <laughs> and brutal. My stepdad was like, are you fucking kidding me? You embarrass me like that? This is how you talk? You go out with family and that's what you do? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I thought it was hockey. I thought you were supposed to curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That sucks. But, yeah, the the second game went a lot better because the second game, uh, one of the girls on her team, like, they brought all her friends out. So all these friends were cheering their heads off. They had signs like, this is my fucking people right here. I was like, there we go. There's some signs. All right, let's go. Like, you know, and then I'm, I'm cheering them on. They're cheering me. Like, I was like, this is the greatest. I was like, the second game, you know, yeah, there was a lot less people there. Like, a lot of people left than the first one. So the second one, it was more like, who cares? Fucking say whatever you want. So I was like, yeah, Marie. Like, every fucking two seconds. She's like, I'm not even telling you right now. And I'm like, I don't care. You go, girl. Like, you sit there on that bed. Like, I would say, like, outlandish shit. I'd be like, kick her in the pussy, you know what I mean? Like, come on, fuck her. Hit that gun, you know, like that kind of shit. Fuck that kitty. It was fun overall. You could distract them, you know? Yeah, I know. Did you just say slap that titty? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but it was fun overall. Uh, so I'm looking forward to going to the next game. But uh, I think I know you got your period. Yeah. No, no, no. Shouldn't have won. You try to kick by all of them. <laughs> They're all gonna fucking do it. So kick that guy's ass. Oh, I'm out of here. Oh fuck! I left my sign. <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, so. Uh, again, congratulations to Maria. I know she listened, so thank you for listening again and also for, for kicking ass. It was great. Um, so while we might have to wait for a Cocaine Shark movie proper from Elizabeth Banks, that's not stopping Wild Eye Releasing from releasing their own Cocaine Shark movie. That's going to be directed by of Rob Maria. So, of course, this is coming from Wild Eye Releasing. No date has been set yet, but the plot is that a mafia drug lord has unleashed a new highly addictive stimulant on the streets called HT25, derived from sharks held captive in a secret lab, and which causes monstrous side effects. After an explosion and week at the lab, an army of mutated bloodthirsty <laughs> sharks and other creatures are set loose on the world. So they are already preparing for that. Uh, the Dean talked last week about meth gator, so we have that coming. And we also have cocaine. So, you know, so we have a lot of these things coming out. Um, 
I put the trailer on the Talking Terror page for you guys to check out. It's a Polonia movie, so do not expect fucking high quality. He's the one yeah. that's the enemy. And it's already, so. and it's already <laughs> like mutated sharks where it's it's a hammerhead shark looking like it's also a crab and stuff like that. And mm. oh, it, it looks like really bad puppetry involved here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so definitely, definitely not Jim Henson work. <laughs> oh, yeah, not, not the Dark Crystal. Worthy. Oh, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not at the same level as Dark Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> it's, it's below the Seskies. Yeah, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it it's it's no fizzy wig, isn't that right, King? <laughs> what, what, the, what was it? Fizzy wheel? I still don't remember the fucking name of that fucking thing. Fizzy wheel, fizzy wig, fizz, fizz big. I still do not remember. I forgot that. I, I totally blanked that out of my head after we covered that episode. It's jism wig. Jism wig. Well, that might as well be it. I would believe you if you told me that. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. You know, Jism Wig. Fizz gig. <laughs> Fizz gig. Oh, that sound, yeah, that, that makes even more sense. Fizz gig. Um, right. I so, think you haven't gone and watched the prequel series on Netflix then. There is? <laughs> oh, that's right. There is. Yeah. No, I, I have not watched it. No, I, I yeah. can tell you what's complete. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. Like, even I was like, holy shit, this sucks. It's just pretty wow, much. So you just you know, that. Yeah, well, it's just because they've been trying forever to sit there and get anything going outside of the movie. And when this finally dropped, and I was just like, wow, they just sit there and straight up try to rip off Game of Thrones with their shit. Oh, okay. You know, I never made it past like halfway through the first episode. I remember we put <laughs> I think what happened was is we, we put it on. And for whatever reason, I, I guess, like, our initial, like, thought was, wow, they look like they're really taking a deep dive here. We don't know if we're in the mood for this tonight. And then we never went back. It was like, okay, we'll get there. <laughs> That's yeah, a lot like you didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put the first episode on. <laughs> That's all the caps. Made it halfway through. Indeed. Um, so... It shows that it played. At <laughs> least <laughs> you tried. And we love that you tried. Uh, so a couple of Scream things, because Scream 6, as we said, comes out tomorrow. It's going to be out over the weekend. I'll be seeing it Saturday, Google Thursday. Uh, but apparently, uh, you can prank your friends with the help of a personalized phone call from Ghostface himself. Well, as long as you oh, live with them inside the U.S. So, yeah. Is so there a 900 number? <laughs> I have the number, actually. I will, I, will, I will link it to you now. I just realized what the potential is for that. I am God, you know mm. what? My friend sent this to me yesterday and he's like, you're welcome. You know? And I didn't think like when it asked for the phone number, I just thought immediately I had to put my own number in. So I was like, I don't feel like getting a phone call from Ghostface. But now that you <laughs> say that, I realize that, oh, fuck, I can put other people's fucking phone numbers in. So my mother yes, is about to get a yep. call from Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about doing the same thing to, to my parents. I was like, I'm going to oh, give them something. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes, you can go to apps.paramountpictures.com slash movie slash ghostface uh, to access the way to put in numbers, name and numbers of people. So you can just be like, yeah, I want to prank my friend Steve. So you put Steve's number in, put his number in, and then ghostface is going to fuck with him. So I love that idea. Oh, I think it does a lot of potential. Man, so. Yeah. You have no idea how bad I want to hang up right now. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start bombing people with Ghostface calls. Um, so that that's a lot of fun, guys. Try it out at home. I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm going to, so I'll have to let you know how it goes. 
Um, but the dean last week talked about how Cinemark was offering Ghostface popcorn buckets on their website for $19.99 a piece. They'll be shipping in August. Well, just this week, they've also decided to release their Ghostface beverage buddy cups on their site. The cups come in a two-pack, oh. one bloody and one clean, and they'll cost you $23.99. And they also will ship in August. So you can get the popcorn buckets and the beverage buddies and then be like, wow, Scream 7's coming out in August. So I get to go see that with my <laughs> beverage buddy and my popcorn buckets. Yeah, that, that joke from Dean last week had me fucking dying, so I had to bring it back up. <laughs> just in time for Scream 7. This is this must be part of whatever like new things that they're trying to like. Oh, are they trying to like bolster sales to go to theaters? Like, do they think people want swag that costs that much money? They did this at AMC no. too with Quant with with Quantum Mania. You know, like I saw yeah. that there was a uh, you could get a, a commemorative Ant Man bucket. You know, for your popcorn, it was fucking twenty nine okay. ninety nine. I'm not spending what? thirty Jesus bucks. It costs more than my fucking dollars does for a fucking plastic camp man bucket to stick popcorn in. Like, come on. I mean, I get it. It commemorates, I guess, that you went to go see Ant Man in the movie theaters, but thirty dollars. Well, I don't know. It's a little much. Yeah, it's a little too much for my taste. Thirty dollars for a fucking popcorn bucket, but there are people out there that'll buy it. I guarantee you, there's people out there that are like, I'll, I'll pay six. And then they'll sell them on eBay or whatever, you know, double the price. Fifty bucks for this popcorn bucket. Like, no, fuck yourself. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Be the biggest fan of something. I don't like I, I was thinking about getting the, the screen bucket, but I'm like, do I really want it? I'm like, nah, probably not. <laughs> so I think I might just pass on that. You know, especially the beverage buddy cups that look kind of stupid. I was like, I don't know if I'd want those, but I just yeah. It's cool that they're doing it, but it's just like well, twenty three ninety nine for two little cups, I mean, and that's enough. But um so Moving away from Scream to another franchise, which is Poltergeist, uh, it's rumored that Amazon may be looking to revive the Poltergeist franchise. Entertainment journalist was on a Hot Mike podcast where he said he had heard that Amazon is looking to revive the franchise among several MGM properties, and they're looking to prioritize these said properties. However, Spielberg would likely need to be involved if they were trying to reboot the uh, Poltergeist franchise, which could complicate things. Stay tuned for more on this because this is just a breaking news story. Um, and the last time we heard anything about Poltergeist is back in 2015 with uh, Gil Keenan directed remake, which was pretty awful. I did not enjoy. Pretty, it. pretty, pretty awful. Yeah, pretty awful. Generous to that movie. Um, <laughs> so, so I guess is this is this another case of there being like separated television rights versus movie rights? Yes. Yeah, that's why they're thinking it might complicate things. You know, because uh, yeah, Spielberg would have to get involved because he has a movie, right? So they'd have to have him involved in some point. They're going to make a series out of it. So, you know, but we'll, well see. Well, I mean, I, well, you know, I know Amazon did this recently with the whole Lord of the Rings, you know, so they have their mm-hmm. Rings of Power series because they have, I guess, whatever streaming slash television rights to the Lord of the Rings. But now I know they're also speaking, I guess, of a whole other movie series that's going to be coming out soon, which will fall, I guess, under New Line, who have the movie rights to, to that world. Are, did you find out anything more about that? Like, is it going to be remaking those original Peter Jackson movies, or are they, like they doing new stories? 
No, I think I think from what I've read, the rumors to be is it's not going to be remaking those original stories. Um, it's not mm-hmm. going to take. I think they're looking more to like capitalize on the similarities of like the Amazon series, you know, telling some I guess the uh, unfinished tales, the stuff that Christopher, uh, you know, J.R.'s uh, son, kind of took. Hmm, Similarion. Yeah, this is all that is. Yeah, that's like a collection of poems and shit like that. That's a little hard to do a narrative. So unless they're gonna do something like a, an anthology type of movie, and and do it that way, maybe you could pull that off in in that regard. But uh, but yeah, I mean like the Rings of Power, I guess, taking from like a little bit of everything and kind of like putting it together in like a weird fucking. Like, like I said, I watched it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, you know, it's one of those where I liked it while it was on, but then, like, after it was over, I probably forgot, like, all of it, you know? So I'm like, you know what? It could have been <laughs> good if I really don't fucking remember what it was really like, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah, couldn't have been that great. But with Poltergeist, like, I don't mind the idea of them doing it, but I wouldn't mind them doing, like, a requel where you could bring in Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams, uh, Oliver Robbins, have them come back and do a, a, a follow-up to Poltergeist where, you know, Caroline is gone, but they're still moving on. They're still being haunted. Like, I wouldn't mind saying that. Like, no, all these years but that later, doesn't make any sense. Caroline was the conduit. You know what I mean? So you, yeah, you can you could continue doing that very same. Like, your, very, your idea right there isn't bad. Just yeah. do it with a new family. You know? Like, no, like yeah, that's, that's been, true, like, yeah. You know, I mean, just go a different direction with it, and you know, like, come on, we know ghosts fucking don't just haunt one fucking family. You didn't need <laughs> right. three movies of them only coming after one person. You know, you could you could have gone in other directions with it. Yeah, or part three where they just gave up altogether and they're like, well, we can only get Carol Ann back, so let's just uh, take place in Chicago or something. <laughs> and now it's Nancy Allen and Tom Skerritt that have to look after this haunted girl. <laughs> We'll figure it out. Like, that, that third one is such a wreck. Um, but, yeah, like, that's what I was thinking about earlier, too, is that with Poltergeist, like, they built that whole plot of land on top of a cemetery. you tell me that, that that family is the only one that got haunted? Like, they're the only family that got just selected <laughs> to be haunted? Nobody else was like, hey, this thing turned out by itself. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> no, nobody else. No, they just have – they just happened to dump all the bodies where the pool was. That's all. That's why I think that is. <laughs> just, just in that one spot, you know? No, well, again, though, like I said, that's because Carol Ann was a conduit. If she wasn't, if Carol Ann wasn't sensitive to the paranormal, I think everybody in that development would have been perfectly fine. You know, unfortunately, you know, you just had that mix. And that's why part two kind of, I guess, fleshes that out a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 uh, that's a great one because of that whole scene with him drinking his tequila and he fucking peeks up like a gigantic worm. My favorite scenes in that fucking movie. Oh, I'm great scene. Disturbed the shit. That <laughs> freaked me the fuck out as a kid. Man, that's when the, when the fucking worm's eyeball opens up in the yeah. glass. Like that, that was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then him just running out of the room and puking up this giant worm. And fucking Reverend Kane is so good where he just walks up to the door. He's like, y'all going to die in there. And I was like, oh, wow. He's just channeling Loomis. That creepy little fucking song where it's only raining on him when he walks up to the door. It's not raining anywhere else except on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, so fucking evil. Um, 
But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Like I said, another family would be good, and then maybe, you know, the Freeling family comes back, and they're like, oh, shit, you guys are super haunted. It happened to us before. Now let's bring yeah, the ghost exactly. hunters, and you know. Then yeah. you bring the parents back. You know, you can even pay a little homage to Carol Ann and be like, you know what, unfortunately it got her, and they took her to the light. You know, like, you could, you could go that route. And, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. maybe somebody will say that's in bad taste, but, you know, you can let the character fucking I die. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it worked for Black Panther too. You know, so <laughs> yeah. whoever did it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, what's your little daughter's name?" Carol Ann. Well, that was my daughter's name too. Wow. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Like, yeah, but it would be like a Batman versus Superman moment. But anyway, uh, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that, Dave? <laughs> um, so. Speaking about heroes and things like that, it's been announced that in 2024, Disney Plus will be airing Daredevil Reborn, a brand new series featuring Daredevil, played once again by Charlie Cox. But it's also worth noting that John Barathol will be returning as the Punisher, as well as Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. So I'm fucking hyped. As soon as they said that Barathol is coming back to play the Punisher, I was like, let's do it. Like, I was like, this is exciting. You know, I can't wait for 2024. And then fucking Kingpin by D'Onofrio. It's been a long time since he characters. He came back for Hawkeye, so like he's already he, yes. established back in the MCU. Um, but Berthold is. Uh, does that, yeah, does that mean? For this. Does that mean they're going to bring in She-Hulk so she can smash <laughs> that ass? Well, she already did. So <laughs> she did appear in Reborn. <laughs> oh man, she got all of that. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for that to come back too. I'm looking forward to seeing if they do a season two of She-Hulk because I had so much fun with it. But yeah, I just I was excited to see the Barenthal coming back because I I used to love Tom Jane as the Punisher. Then I saw Barenthal, I was like, oh shit! Like Barenthal is Frank Castle. Like this guy nailed it. You know, out of the suit, in the suit. So I'm looking forward to more of that. Um, well, especially this, because uh, yeah. they they showed the violence. You know what I mean? They they mm-hmm. gave us. No, yeah. You know, that he's portrayed yeah. in a way that is a tough guy. You know, so so it works. You know, we know John Bernthal as fucking, you know, Shane from The Walking Dead. He was kind of That's a right. tough badass in that fucking show, too, you know. Um, what I am wondering, though, is, is you know, kind of like, I feel like in a way, that this, this movie is going to give us an idea of what they might be doing with the Deadpool series, too. Because, like, are they, oh, going, yeah. are they going to PG-13... Daredevil and Punisher so that they can fit in the MCU or are we going to get, you know, are we going to get the Punisher the way we saw him on Netflix? Uh, being that it's going to Disney Plus, I'm going to probably say no, unfortunately. You know, yeah, PG-13. Yeah. I think they're going to dumb this down and we're not going to get that same level of violence that was fucking amazing in, in the yeah. Punisher series. Yeah, they went all out, especially that that whole uh, prison sequence when he's breaking mm-hmm. out of jail. Just fucking busting people to fucking shit. But yeah, it needs okay. to be on Netflix. Same thing with Daredevil. It needs to be on Netflix. You know, it's a shame it's going to be on Disney Plus because it's going to be a little bit watered down. But um, either way, I'm still looking forward to Baron Paul coming back. Um, but this is actually, this next news piece is for uh, the monkeys specifically because I found it. I'm like, you know what? He might be interested. So a little bit long, but I'll try to, to <clears throat> power through it. So... It's been announced this week that Godzilla Island is going to be set to debut on the Godzilla YouTube channel with an episode released every Tuesday and Thursday. The series, which debuted in 1997, was only available in Japan, but through this YouTube channel, the series is now available in the U.S. 
The series ran for over 250 episodes, with the episodes lasting three minutes apiece. And in the plot, it's the, the year is 2097. Monsters live in frolic on Godzilla Island under the watchful eye of G-Guard, a human peace, peacekeeping force. But with a massive belligerent UFO heading straight for the island, how long can that peace last? So I had never heard of this. Apparently, it's brand new to the U.S. It was only in Japan. But, uh, you know, I wanted to get Monkey's thoughts about that. Maybe he's interested in checking it out. 250 episodes, three minutes apiece. <laughs> yeah, but you I, I, I only heard of I, Wait, I only heard of this. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, three minutes. Three minutes shorts. <clears throat> yeah, so we're only talking seven hundred and fifty minutes. So I can totally do this. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I've heard of this series, but at the same time, like it was still very, very elusive and you know, even hardcore Godzilla fans, you know, c- couldn't get a hold of it. So yeah, I am very, very excited about this, man. Just because the only stuff that we've been getting lately are the bad, bad anime Godzilla films that I'm just not <laughs> digging. I'm just, yeah, I can't get into them. <laughs> but this? Okay, I like the, uh, hell yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're into it. Okay. Yeah, I, I figured you might be. I saw it. It was just breaking uh, just the other day, and I was like, Godzilla Island? Okay. But yeah, I just I love the fact that it's three minutes apiece, <laughs> but yet there's 250 fucking episodes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and especially if we're talking... And especially if we're talking 1997, which was, you know, as the ghoul knows, prime time for some awesome Godzilla action in the movies that were coming out at that time. Because, you know, we're talking Space Godzilla, uh, you know, around there. The, the Millennium uh, series was getting started. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was everything leading up to Destroyer and Godzilla 2000, you know, so... So yeah, uh-huh. it was it was an interesting time for Toho because they were they were staying true to the people in suits and puppetry, but applying uh-huh. newer techniques and makeup effects. So there were some really radical fucking. There was some really the movies were just as bad as they always were, but there were just some cool looking fucking things added in. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, fucking Mogada with all his fucking d- different abilities and shit like that. Then that leading into Mecha Godzilla, new Mecha Godzilla, which was the baddest motherfucker around. And yeah. <laughs> fucking Space Godzilla with the fucking crystals rocking off of his back and shit. Like, there was, the designs yeah. were just wild, man. It was, it was cool to see them, like, just taking, like, concepts and developing things with them that they could only, like, imagine back in the day and actually make them real now. Well, then, now they just fucking make everything CGI anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like, you know, like you were saying, man, it's now so easy to just go CGI when back then, you know, still traditional kaiju people in suits or, you know, giant puppets, if you will, and just making it work. Yeah, well, your other option is Matthew Broderick and a fucking iguana. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you you've seen Final Wars. You you know how Toho addressed that. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean that movie gave us Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page. All right, that soundtrack fucking slapped. I don't care how bad that movie was, but I love that soundtrack. <laughs> you know what? That song did get played a lot, though, man. Come with me. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, fuck. That was always on the radio. Every Digitally remastered by Jimmy Page. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> Yo, and it was in the video. And then you had that uh, cover uh, from the Wallflowers of Heroes, David Bowie song. And I was like, okay, this soundtrack uh, is pretty fucking good. The movie, not so much, but the soundtrack, I don't mind. I know, it's not going to be Bowie, but it's still. I was like, it, was, it wasn't the worst cover I've ever heard of, of Heroes. Just because you know Jacob what? fucking Dylan just has that. That's not saying voice. much, man. Because we've heard a lot <laughs> of bad covers, okay? <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, uh, the garden, the garden filled with Godzilla eggs was was kind of a cool scene. Um, but yeah, yeah, that move, that movie, and the and the subsequent cartoon series that followed oh, wow. that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember the Godzilla yeah. cartoon series. Yeah, yeah. D- uh, yeah. D- done by the same. Done by the same studio that tried to bring back Ghostbusters. <laughs> Extreme Ghostbusters. Not what a yeah. bad that was. Everybody's gone. You know, back then, you know, nineties. Everything. Extreme. Extreme. Yeah. Including the heart. Extreme. Team Extreme. Do, 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 do. Oh, look at him flip off the top rope. They're extreme. It's a twist oh, of fate, man. We need some Mountain Dew because we're extreme. <laughs> Jeff Hardy just got another DUI, guys. He's extreme. <laughs> Team extreme, everybody. Team extreme. <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, it was such a weird time, especially that era of WWE. <laughs> It was all just extremely <laughs> weird and ruthless aggression and toothless aggression for the McFoley. But um, okay, so another short film from the late George A. Romero has been unearthed by the George A. Romero Foundation. It's called Elegy, oh, really? and it's a twenty-one min, minute short film that Romero shot in Pittsburgh back in 1963. So this was years before Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it was shot without sound or dialogue, with the original intention to add music and poetry to it. The foundation is currently working to restore the short and add music. They're also looking to raise ten grand by March 31st to complete the never-before-seen short film. You can visit the George A. Romero Foundation website for more details on how you can fund the short and what perks come with each donation. So for like 50 bucks, you know, you'll get you know a credit on there. You know, just the different levels of perks as with all uh, fundraising things. Uh, so check it out if you're interested. I think it's pretty cool just to see what George is doing prior to Night of the Living Dead. Aside from the commercials, uh, commercials he was shooting, uh, he was doing shorts, you know, in Pittsburgh with a $50,000 camera. So how, mu- how much did you pitch in, King? <laughs> I don't get paid yet, so I can't, I can't do anything until I get paid next week. So I might actually chip in a couple <laughs> bucks. I'm not – because, yeah, there, there are some crazy levels where I'm like, I'm never, I don't have that kind of money. Like I, not, like, I would never be able to pitch in that kind of money, but, like, I'm good for, like, 20 bucks. Like, you know, just to be able to say I pitched in, you know. But, yeah, I'm not, I don't have, like, 50 to $100 where I'm like, I'll just throw it in there. Like, no, no. So, I mean, I wish them luck. I mean, I'm sure it'll hopefully, but, yeah, I'll chip in a couple bucks. I don't care. Um, but it's always cool to see these things being uncovered because, like you said, George A. Romero was a hoarder. He did nothing but write scripts and just shoot things and then just never did anything with them. So, you know, imagine what else they're going to find. Who knows? But that's one of them called Elegy. Um, okay, so speaking about requels, as we talked about earlier with Poltergeist, uh, late last year we heard that the directing team of Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli Open, same guys between uh, that directed Scream 5 and 6 and Ready or Not, they announced that they were working on a brand-new movie based on John Carpenter's Escape from New York with Carpenter on board to executive produce. 
Recently, they chatted with the folks over at comicbook.com, and the filmmakers said that the new movie will be a requel. Rather than do the impossible and remake Escape from New York, they'll borrow what they love from that movie and put it together in a new film. So, (gasps) this could possibly mean that Kurt Russell is still up in the air. (laughs) Ten seconds. This could mean that Kurt Russell could still return as Snake. Uh, Now I'm just. Why is there ten seconds? Somebody just got a call from Ghostface. <laughs> Somebody's not happy. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Kurt Russell still could possibly return to do Escape from New York, and I think that's the best way to do it, doing the requel. You know, I always thought Old Man Pliskin would be great because you can't just do it without Kurt Russell. You can't do a, a Snake Pliskin movie without him. It's like doing a Freddy movie without Robert. Ain't Eng- wait, we did that. They did that, right? They did. It didn't work out. <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. That was a full remake. That's a full remake, not something that's trying to take off of the original. I mean, look, if they wanted to continue the world of Escape from New York, I mean, I don't think you should be. I don't. I, I, obviously, I think you should have Kurt <clears throat> Russell in there. And at this point, Kurt Russell should just be the president of the United States. Oh, I'd love so to do that. Should, yeah. You know, just, yeah. Just make him the president. And you're going to give us some new, younger star that you want to push. You know, I mean, look, he's not, he's not going to be Snake. You know, you're not going to I'll ever get, get anybody as – but you're never going to get anybody as cool who isn't going to come off no. as trying to be that. You know what I mean? So just let somebody come in and do whatever it is that they're going to do and not have them try to mimic the Kurt Russell persona. Yeah, like I was saying, put in Wyatt Russell as son. Might be good, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be the same, but he he's a good actor. Like I actually do like his work, so I wouldn't mind seeing you him know, take my, on my, an action role. My problem with Wyatt Russell is that I see him as U.S. agent from uh, from the the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Oh yeah, yep. And mm-hmm. and the the problem with that is that he's like so so now for me right now that that actor. Is like a whiny, bitchy, like, I should be better than I am, you know, because, like, he's just a wannabe Captain America. Um, mm-hmm. so, so like, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> if I see him now as, like, coming into that series, I'm going to be like, he's just a wannabe Kurt Russell. He just wants, he's got daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Wish.com Captain America. <laughs> what you get when you're from Wish.com, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I would, have you seen Overlord? I mean, he was great in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I did, actually. You know, and yeah, I, 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 I actually own it. I, I watched it the one time. I enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, it's, it's one that, like, I keep having, yeah. like, oh, I'm going to pick it for the show this week, you know, and then I end up, like, you know, <laughs> picking something, like, stupid. I've done the same thing. I have it on my list to pick for one of these days. Um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Is it, did you guys check out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Mutant Mayhem trailer that that hit today? I mean, I saw yeah. it a few days ago when it came, it came out, like a few days ago. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Days or so. Um, so, so you guys both saw it, though, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it because I kind of found it funny. Like, I actually was like, you know what? I actually might go see this in the theater. But I love 
the fucking internet. Internet never changed. You're so fucking toxic and weird. Why the fuck do you care that April O'Neil is a young, thick black girl? Who cares? Uh, black in the comic books. But these fans out there are like, boo! What's that? Is that their complaint? Like, seriously? Yes. Yes, that is the number one complaint I found when I searched it, is that these fans are freaking the fuck out that April O'Neil is no longer a white, red-headed, curvy girl in a uh, yellow jumpsuit. Now she is a small black girl. And they just can't understand why you're fucking with my fucking childhood. Like, guys, guys, get, get the fuck over it. She was black in the comic books. Not, not too far removed. But these guys want them what they want. I'm like, and they were also bitching about Donatello's voice. And they're like, why does he sound like that? Because they're fucking teenagers. <laughs> the complaints that people have. Um, I find, um, like, I, I'm dude, looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, dude, but April O'Neil wasn't black. <laughs> in the, in the comic book, she was. Look it no, up. She wasn't. She was mixed and based on the, the guy that created the comic book's girlfriend. I've seen stills of it, so I know it's there. He's seen it I've on seen, the internet, okay. man. He has seen it on the internet. Actually, because I had to look okay. it up. Cause somebody said it in the comments, so I had to look it up myself, and yeah, she was. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I did a deep dive. She might not necessarily have been the, uh, the, the ginger that we've all come mm-hmm. to know from, from the original 80s cartoon series. Um, but considering the first couple of issues were black and white anyway, did it really matter what color any of them were? For all we know, the fucking turtles <laughs> weren't green to begin with. Uh, and, and so they have various colored masks suddenly, but nobody's going to complain about that because, you know what, my masks were black. Okay, is that a problem? Should we African-American masks? Um, I, don't, I don't give a fuck what color April O'Neil is. No. It doesn't nope. make fucking, what fuck of a difference to me. What I dislike, so now I, I did watch the trailer. What I said, My only problem is this. Like, okay, so I know they did those two Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And yeah. you know, the first mm-hmm. one was, was successful. The second one, which went for that, you know, the second one, I guess they, they listened to people who complained that, that that first movie didn't have enough of a 1980s cartoon feel for it. So they went to right. the second movie. And the second movie felt like you literally took a fucking episode from the 1980s cartoon yeah. and just, just, just did it like that in like a live action version. And people didn't like that either. So, like, what the fuck did the people want? Okay, now, I didn't like to all that much because I did. I thought it was kind of fucking silly, you know. And I did prefer, like, that that grit that you kind of had. Now, don't don't get me wrong, okay? 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That fucking movie's (laughs) a doozy when you watch it nowadays. You're like, wow, man. It's like watching Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. Kind of, you know what, even as a kid, though, that was like one of like those letdowns, you know, like, and, and I still liked it. Like, don't get me wrong. I still liked and loved the movie. But at the same time, too, it was like, I remember being a kid being like, oh, fuck, man, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie's coming out. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so awesome. Too. We're going to watch them fucking kick ass. They're going to stab. They're going to slash shit. And then you see the movie and you're like, wow, there's nothing like that, is it? It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a vibe. Um. So, so, and it's like, holy shit, did, 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 did fucking Master Splinter actually just take the shredder out with 
fucking pair of nunchucks and throw tells them into a garbage truck? Is that really how this movie's ending? <laughs> Are they really ending the movie like that? What the fuck? Um, you know, you kind of it, it would be like as if like the fucking end of Return of the Jedi just happened and like there was never any lightsaber fight. Just fucking Darth Vader was like. Picked up the emperor, threw him down the fucking trash chute, and was like, "Okay, movie's <laughs> over." Um, that, that, that's the end of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in 1990. What I don't like about this new trailer, or the new movie, I get it. Everybody loves Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and that's mm-hmm. because that movie got like all weird and kooky with the animation, and they did such strange things with everything. But they did that. Because of the plot, it was plot-driven. It made sense because you Mm -hmm. were taking various characters from other types of... So you had Spider-Ham in there, who was a comic book character, you know? So, like, like all of those things, like, and I don't mean just, like, a comic book character, but, like, a a newsstand in the fucking wall bombs, you know, in your shopping supermarket. You know, that's the kind of, that's where you saw Spider-Ham comics. You didn't find Spider-Ham in your local comic shop. You know, like, I don't, I don't. If I went to, like, Zaps or Comic Relief, Spider-Ham wasn't there. No, Spider-Ham was on, like, the rack next to the TV guide. You know, he was, like, right there under fucking (laughs) Betty and Archie. You know, that kind of thing. You know, so, so it looks like the visual style that they're going with is trying to kind of, like, match up with the whole Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like, we're going to be weird. We're not going to give you live action. We're going to go animated, but we're not going to go traditional animation. We're going to give you this weird painted art style, which doesn't seem to fit, like, even any of the... Like, I would get it if they made the movie and the art style looked similar to the original Laird comics. You know, Laird and Mm, Eastman comics. I'd be like... Yes. That makes sense. You know, you're kind of bringing back like what it originally was. But this is like, we want to do our own thing, and we're going to do it with your turtles. Now, that being said, yeah, you know what? When the fucking side goes bouncing off the thing and lands in his leg, I was <laughs> fucking cracking up. Because Me you too. know what? For years now, I've watched these motherfuckers play around with size and with katana blades, and nobody ever cuts anything off. Nobody ever stabs anybody. They use it for blocking, parrying, and, like, slapping things to the side. <laughs> no, you know what? You could chop up robots, but you can't hack off an arm or two. I was so happy to see that thing stab somebody. So that, <laughs> that had me dying. And I was like, you know what? When I saw that, I was laughing so hard during it that I was like, wow, I'll probably go see this movie because that does look funny. Yeah, exactly what I said. That's why I was like, dude, I'm, I'm in. But, Lucky, what'd you think about it? Yeah. <clears throat> Everything that Ghoul just said uh, just got to me because when I saw the trailer, it was really, really pissing me off about the art style. The art it style, the art style, the art style, okay? It's <clears throat> when you sit there and have an art style where you can't even draw a straight line, you're like you're drawing shit mm. wrong on purpose, okay? Like, when right. they're messing with the throwing stars, they have the katana, I mean, the throwing stars out, okay? And they, you show the clo- they show the close-up of a throwing star, and it's literally off like a little kid drew it, okay? That kind of shit pisses me the fuck off. It's like, like the ghoul had said, if you had gone back to represent the original art style, that would have been awesome. But you said they're coming up with this weird ass style where you know it's just I'm I'm not liking it. It it doesn't flow for me. 
It doesn't look finished. It it looks like a rough copy through the animation process. Uh, the, <clears throat> this looks like the layer after you do the solids and you haven't gotten to the finishing layer. Okay, and it it doesn't move right. In I'm not digging it. But then I like the idea of actually showing us actual younger, early teenage mutant turtles, if you will, because everything mm. that we've been given up into this point has been, you know, they're supposed to be teenagers, but they have always sounded like adults. They've always been huge like adults, you know, and this is looking like they're going to be smaller. Well, they are, they are and, mutated turtles. Yeah. From the ooze. But I like the, the younger voices they're using here versus, you know, the traditional older, almost adult voices. Um, like Corey yeah. Feldman? <laughs> Radical, dude. Hey, yeah, exactly. Like some pizza, man. <laughs> You know, so, so uh, you know, I'm cool with them, you know, doing new stuff with all of that. That being said, though, Seth Rogen's involved. Fuck him. I can't fucking stand Seth Rogen. So, you know, That's cool as soon as I saw, <laughs> no, as soon as I saw his name, I was like, fuck that shit. Seth, Seth <laughs> Rogen just annoys the living fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could do without, like, his, some of, like, that, that stupid persona, but some of his writing is actually quite funny. I mean, you didn't like Saw the yeah, Party? I agree. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Super bad? Did you ever see Sausage Party? No. Oh, you have to but, watch Monkey, you have to watch uh, Sausage Party. Please, I beg it's, you. It's, it's I great. beg you. There's only mm. one thing you can ever gift me. You've never gotten me a birthday present for the entirety of time that I've known you. Okay, so so please. I gave you please, free comic books. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> Okay, so you did. I take it back. You have gotten me a gift before, but you know what? You haven't gotten me a gift for a while now. You do always send me a nice Christmas card. So you know what? Just do it because you love me, monkey. Just please do it because you love me. And just okay, for, sausage so, party. So, so and everybody right. knows where monkey's coming from when he is criticizing the art for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, I mean, because I think this is something that a lot of people might not know about you. The monkey is actually a very incredible artist. So, so it's not uh, coming great. from a standpoint of an asshole like me who can't draw. Like, I, I make fun of this shit, but you know what? If you asked me to make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, it would look like a fucking stick figure, okay? With, like, you know, a weird round shell going around it. Monkey, on the other hand, draws, like, incredible pictures. So, so when he does criticize art, you know, you can at least take him seriously. Me, you can just be like the ghoul's That's being very nice of you. Thank you. Too. <laughs> no, no, because at the same time, either way, it's like we all grew up with the original form. You know, we, we all grew up with Eastman and Laird's work. So we, and we've seen that work progress through the years and sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, you know, and it's just, you know, if they're taking what's supposed to be this next step, I think, you know, artistically, that's the wrong step is just to, like you said, go with that wonky Spider-Verse look. Well, have you have you looked at what the latest Nickelodeon version of them has been? Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've actually tried to watch a couple episodes, and it's pretty rough, man. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I just don't understand why they took such a weird step from that. Because the series from like I guess 2012 on or whatever that was, the one that I was watching on Nickelodeon, was fucking fantastic. So like, why they really went like so so wonky with it with the new stuff to kind of be weird? I just, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to like compete with Cartoon Network with it or whatever. But, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah. The latest series is like they tried to go, uh, you know, too traditional superhero, if you will, with everyone and their different things, as opposed to everyone's equal. They're all the same size. Easier to draw. Here we go. <laughs> I guess they had this, you know, make it easier to tell them, uh, you know, apart like the Usos. <laughs> yeah. That you know what? Though you, you make a point there. You know that that does make sense by giving them. I mean, I always looked at it as, you know, Mikey's always been the smaller one. You knew them by their personalities. You didn't need to know them by the mm-hmm. way they looked. But even that being said, Mikey was always the smallest. Donatello was always the smart one with gadgets on him in some way, shape, or form. Donat- uh, Raphael was always kind of bigger and bulkier than all of them. And Leonardo was like the, he was like the average, like if you were playing fucking the, the hockey game, the NES hockey game, you had the stocky fat guy, you had the real speedy skinny guy, and then you had the average guy that was like in the middle in a mix of the two of them. That's Leonardo every time. Because he, cause mm-hmm. he is supposed to be the balance of everything, if you will. You know, so, of course, you know, yeah. He's the one. He's got the glow. But you know what he is? He isn't the last, he isn't the last Ronin, which that might have been a cool fucking movie for them to have, like, focused on. That, that could have been fun. Yeah. Could have been. You know, we'll see what happens in the future with the Turtles. But anyway, uh, I want to get into the movie tonight, which is my film pick of the week. Uh, Don't Panic from 1987, directed by Ruben Galindo Jr. Yeah, we do. Because, hey, Revenge Tour Andy's here. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know (laughs) I just, I, I, well, I, no, I just, you're not. I, That's okay. No, no you know what? You no. threatened us with that a couple weeks ago, and you're fucking staying true to that promise. No, honestly, <laughs> I think this movie is just like it's so fucking trash and it's so just bad. But I just, I, I have a soft spot for it. But we'll get to it. Uh, so on his 17th birthday, Michael's given a present of a Ouija board by Tony, his best friend. During a session, Tony uses a medium known to him only as Virgil, and he unwittingly unlocks the evil forces of the board. Soon there's a wave of violent killings, and the chief suspect appears to be Michael. He has been witness to all the killings via premonitions and out-of-body experiences. Is Michael the killer? Can he prove his innocence? Or is someone else being possessed by the evil spirit? Uh, so anyway, like I was saying, I, uh, I think this movie is just 80s trash. Like, and sometimes there's bad trash, sometimes there's good trash. I think this is kind of in the middle. Like, it's absurd at points, it's silly at some points, but then you have Screaming Mad George doing the gore effects that really are fun, uh, it's 87. It's Ruben Galindo Jr. trying to rip off A Nightmare on Elm Street in Mexico and just having a fun time with it. He's not really taking the movie seriously. Like, he is not. Mexico. Yeah, he's just not taking it seriously at all. I mean, there is Michael, who is just has the poet, which is a perm and a mullet, and he also has dinosaur pajamas for some reason that even Ruben Galindo Jr. is like, I don't know why, we just did it. Uh, I just, I have fun with this movie. I had fun with narration. So, uh, Ghoul, I know this movie hurts you. It's okay. We're going to get through it. What do you think about Don't Panic? Okay, so listen, you know what? All jokes aside, you know, is this movie bad? Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty mm-hmm. bad movie. Uh, does it personify what I think of when I think of 80s horror films? 
Yes, yes, it does. Uh, the special effects are are definitely there, and yes, Screaming Mad George, you know, is talented. Now, there are mm-hmm. some good effects in this movie. There are some not so good effects in this movie, you know, and that that, that that that's that's okay too. As far as it being like an homage to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, kind of. I, I, I guess I kind of see it, and maybe that's where the pajamas come into play, because <laughs> I don't know, like, like the, the problem is, is this movie just doesn't have as creative a villain as Freddy Krueger, and I think like that's the, I think overall that is my biggest issue with this, is Virgil is no Freddy, Virgil is no Jason, no. Virgil is not memorable in any way, shape, or form. Virgil just kind of looks like Michael Buffer, you know, or kind of like Vince McMahon in his, in his older Buffy years, you know? Like, like, when he's all fucking fucked up in his face and it's going a little bit gray and shit, I'm like, dude, it's fucking Minnie Mac. I'm waiting to hear the fucking No Chance theme song and watch him come walking down like his ball sack is like knocking off of his fucking knees. And, and that's that. Um, but some of the performances are, are very funny. Uh, I, I think John in particular was, was great because he was oh, just, yeah. he was, he knew he was in a bad movie and wasn't going <laughs> to pretend like he wasn't in a bad movie. So, so I can respect that. The, the unibrow needed its own fucking cast, <laughs> like on IMDb, you know, so, so there, there needed to be the actress and then there needed to be that, that solid like fucking hairy worm that is going across her, far, her forehead. Um, <laughs> why they chose her to be the main lead versus the, the, the prettier friend girl, I have no idea. Whatever, man. And yes, Michael's fucking, believe it or not, he's walking on air perm. That is, that, <laughs> yeah. I've never Dude. seen, I have never, I have never seen a pu- fucking mullet look like that before, but that is fucking something, all right. So yes, <laughs> I didn't hate the movie. Thank you, King. I had never heard of it prior to seeing it and, and watching nice. it. Okay. You know what? It, it was enjoyable at times. Okay, great. Uh, Monkey, what did you think about Don't Panic, a.k.a. Dementia's Occulta? Um, yeah, like, like everything the ghoul said, like I fucking love the, um, you know, last American hero perm action that was going on, hell yes. And the fact that every time he would move his head, it would actually shake. You know, it was almost like, uh, it, it, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it was almost like, you know, he, he he was covered in head to toe in soul glow, so fucking digging it. But it's like, yeah, now that you mention it, it's like we we, you know, the, this week's movie is, you know, when you think about it, it's like, you know, the Mexican flea market ripoff. Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like it's it's, it's a knockoff that didn't actually get get one hundred percent actually going on. But dude, it's like you know, the movie was fun, you know, in good ways and bad. Um, you know, because of course, you know, you you had the kick-ass practical effects by Scream Mad George, which you know I always fucking love checking out his work and shit like that. But also, it's like, you know. I'm thinking this movie had possibly had a bigger budget than it's saying because this movie loosely ties into The Last Starfighter. Oh. <laughs> we all go back to The Last Starfighter. No, it's because during the commercial, okay, there's a part where there's a commercial and they're talking about a C-shaped computer, all right, mm-hmm. and they start showing graphics and shit like that, and you have the news reporter talking about a Cray 1, Okay, which is actually mm. the precursor to the Cray XMP, which was used for the effects for the last Starfighter, 
And oh. that this crave, this crave was in the commercial because it was not like given credits and shit like that. Like I had to dig deep and shit like that. They talked about the cray, and during the news report, you see the wonky um, 3D effects and computer effects and all that kind of shit because mm-hmm. that's the computer they use to do the digital graphics for the TV, for the um, faces during the two TV scenes. Oh, interesting. Wow. All right. Yeah. So, back to so, so there you go. Monkey's even happier. Yeah, right? so good job. Good job for you, Watson. <laughs> Picking a movie that's tied to one of my favorite science fiction movies. <laughs> I love you, Lance. Well, yes. But, yeah, the movie was fun <laughs> in, in its way, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, though, I'm 100% with the goal of, you know, when we get down in, into the action and stuff like that, I wish I was looking at someone else when we get down into the action with the chick, you know, on, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, no, no. It's, yeah, yeah, just lots of blonde hair. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll we'll get to it because it was an 80s sex scene and a softcore. But um, I had just, I had a lot of fun doing this narration, so I hope you guys enjoy it because I had a lot of fun notes. Um, So we open the movie with a voiceover from the main character, Michael, who gets us up to speed on his life, including how his dad pretty much sent him and his mom to Mexico City so he could focus on his work in the States. And he's like, also, it's my 17th birthday. So we cut the people and leaving I'm Michael's th- house after. He's turning mm-hmm. 17. Because the yeah, ADR he, is so bad that he got to sit there and say, like, really Latino audience, they ease into Michael's shit. Well, no, this is all American dubbing. I felt like Michael was dubbed by fucking... By by uh, yeah. Corey Feldman at times, you know, his, like you remember like that period of time for Corey Feldman when he was in like the it was like the late eighties, early nineties. It was as he was doing that transition to that Michael Jackson look, but like for some reason, <laughs> like sometimes Corey Feldman would kind of have like a Hispanic accent, and you'd be like, why the fuck yeah. is Corey like white? Why is white ass Corey Feldman sounding like that? Because you know, for years he yeah. sounded nothing like that, but all of a sudden, no. like his voice got real like Latino. It kind of sounds like fucking Rey Mysterio Jr. now. Yeah. yeah what is it like the <laughs> arm? Yeah, it, so. it, it almost sounded like, you know, someone was doing a bad Speedy Gonzalez impression. Yeah. The dubbing is having fun in this movie. It really is. Uh, we'll get to some of those lines. Uh, but, you know, it's his birthday as his one friend's leaving. Hey, Michael, is this your first birthday in Mexico? Yeah. You'll get used to it. Well, I hope he has more birthdays uh, to look forward to. I hope nothing happens to Michael throughout the course of this movie. Uh, so anyway, Michael goes back inside, sees the aftermath of the party, all the balloons and stuff everywhere. His mom comes out, and she's like, hey, is everybody gone? He's like, yep. So he decides to turn off all the lights in the house, and that's when he, found, he hears the sounds of the house having digestive issues. It starts groaning. It starts moaning. So he goes to investigate the sound and is knocked to the ground by his best friend, Tony, as the lights turn back on. Some more friends have arrived to surprise him on his 17th birthday. Gee whiz, guys, you guys got to go. It's late. Yeah, I don't have time to party Tony. anymore. <laughs> yeah. So Michael's trying you know, to get You know what might have helped in dialogue, though? Like, so, so the friend says, is this your first birthday in Mexico? You know, it might have helped if they, like, somewhere in the dialogue prior to that line, they said, hey, we're so glad you moved to Mexico, you know, because otherwise, I would have never thought that he didn't live in Mexico, you know, they never tell you that he moved from another spot. Yeah, so 
uh, the friends all show up and we see him saying, guys, you got to go. Guys, I got to go to bed. But then all of a sudden we see Alex, Alexandra, the love interest of the movie. She's 80s hot, but she has a unibrow. So it's like that just cancels it out. And so really it's like, big jawline. And a big jawline and big eyes. And all of a sudden Michael's like, all right, you guys can stay for a little while. And then we cut back to the mom laying in bed looking at an empty bottle of vodka going, oh. It's like, it's all right. You can get more. It's fine. Because we'll find out that she has a serious drinking problem. So um, downstairs, the friends give Michael a Ouija board for his birthday, complete with two lead candles and Coke cans. Bitching, Tony. So where is it from? Never mind that. Let's play with it because Michael's an adult now. He doesn't want to play with it. He's like, ugh. You know what? Why don't you go ahead and do it, Tony? Tony tries to offer Michael some drinks, and, to- and Michael very much does not like liquor. We'll find out because he just fucking rips into Tony the next day about how he's a fucking drunk. But – Tony it's decides not into the McCarty rum there at <laughs> no. the table. <laughs> so they all decide to sit down with the Ouija board and play with it. Tony calls out the Virgil, and he asks it a question, but when nothing happens, they joke with Tony. He says, shut up, everybody. Seriously, shut up. Like, just acting, acting in this fucking movie. So one of the friends, Robert, is like, hey, let's ask it who's enchanted by Alexandra. And that's when the board is like, it's fucking go time. But no, it's just Tony messing with the board pointing the planchette at Michael. And that's when Michael demands that Tony tell him that Virgil is the devil. But that's when Michael's mom shows up, and she's like, get the fuck out, everybody. Michael, you got some explaining to do. So, yeah, Michael getting, friend, up, so. Michael getting upset, too, about it, as if he's like a fucking 11 or 12-year-old, you know what I mean? And they're playing in, like, the <laughs> yeah. basement, as opposed to them all being, like, almost adults at this point. You know, like, I get it, Michael. You're a virgin and everything. But still, I think by now it's okay if you like a girl. Like he, and there's this period of time where he's, like, acting like he's, he's special in the movie. And I mean, I mean that in yeah. the most special oh, yeah, no, yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, Peter and Robert are the last two friends to leave. Peter's like, can you believe that Michael believes in the devil? And Robert's like, hey, whatever, man, and pours out one for the homies on the Ouija board, silking it with, with his uh, rug. <laughs> so once the friends all leave, Michael's mom apologizes to him for his dad not showing up. He's like, eh, I'm used to it. And later that night, we see that the Ouija board planchette flings itself at a nearby wall as we cut to the next day. Michael arrives late at school and isn't allowed in without a pass. Luckily, he has a nudie mag for the security guard, which he accepts. And that's when Marty McFly, I mean Michael, <laughs> runs into Alexandra as he's trying to sneak in the class. All we're missing is the power of love by Huey Lewis in the scene when he's trying to sneak oh, into I'm, his class. But, I'm he, also thinking yeah. karate, but I'm also thinking Karate Kid. You know what I mean? Because that's true, too. Because school yeah. had that like, similar look. You know, I'm, just, I'm waiting to hear that like young hearts. You know, that young hearts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he runs into Alexandra, who says that she's also late and got locked out of biology class. So he's like, well, we're both late. Let's just go grab breakfast. So the two delinquents head off 80s montage style for a day of fun in Mexico City. We also find out that Michael is also not only amazed by fucking balloons and how they work, but watching a girl eat ice cream, it's his first time seeing that. <laughs> He's in disbelief. He loves girls getting ice cream too. Oh, him just being in fucking disbelief and then watching her eat the fucking ice cream. And he's like, wow, girls get ice cream too? This is crazy. So, hey, listen, man, I, yeah. I don't know about Alexandra. But I've watched some girls eat ice cream, and it is quite a sight to behold at times. The right girl will definitely, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, yeah, she, spirits. Yeah, she, but she's just yeah. Ale- she's Ale- Ale- Alexandra was was not doing it though. <laughs> no, she was eating ice cream. 
<laughs> she wasn't licking the spoon. Oh, that brown. That, that, that brown. No. Why somebody didn't say like, hey, you know, we should take <laughs> care of that for you. I, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> so uh, Alex drops, uh, Alex gets dropped off at home by Michael, and that's when Michael goes over to Tony's house, which is delightfully decorated with Coca-Cola cans and packs of Marlboro cigarettes. Tony's busy puking after drinking all night, much to the dismay and disappointment of Michael, who makes himself comfortable and rags on Tony for drinking. Tony apologizes to Michael for making fun of him and his mom being a drunk because he kind of is as well, and also all that Ouija stuff. Michael's like, oh, it's in the past. I'm in love. I'm in love with Alexandra. So he's like, you know what you need to do? You know what you need to do because we're bros? Yeah. You know what you, know you got to do? We're bros. We're best friends, right? I happen to have all these roses it's just to have them. You could take one. We're going to suck each other's dicks in a minute. But before that, I'm going to give you this rose, <laughs> and it's a magic rose, because it will never wilt if you're with the one you love. So if you're with your love, it's never going to go. How they didn't start making out when he gives them the rose, I don't know, because I was like, dude, it's going to happen. Like, they're just going to accidentally I kiss, mean, and all of a sudden, it's going to be like, are we doing this? Like, no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and, and when he does the rose thing, he keeps doing, like, this bad, he keeps doing this bad David Copperfield, you know, florist shit. Like, you know, what, are you supposed to be, like, you know, um, you know, that's your, you know, secret hobby is you, you practice magic on the side and don't tell anybody? You know, that's why you have all these <laughs> fake roses the in your apartment? Rose. Like, I was waiting for there to be, like, a magic trick, you know? Like, he, like right. you're right, Monkey. Like, the way he was, like, presenting this whole thing was like he was some kind of fucking magician. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> night, Michael's asleep having a nightmare where a bloody hand reaches out from the ceiling. The blood drips all over Michael's face, which causes him to wake up and suffer from a headache. As he jolts up in bed, and we see his eyes have turned red. We then see Peter Uh-oh. getting murdered by a special Team dagger. As, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Peter gets murdered by a special dagger as Michael goes to the bathroom in his dinosaur pajamas that he must have gotten for his birthday. Apparently in Mexico, you can get adult-sized pajamas meant for a child. He pops an aspirin and goes right the fuck back to bed. So the next day, Michael is going... <laughs> so weird. Uh, the fact that you spent so dinosaur much time in pajamas is a fucking name. But So the next day, Michael is going to give that magic rose to Alexandra. Hey, Michael, good luck, man. Acting from Robert. When Michael arrives to the cafeteria, <laughs> he sees John just kissing all up in Alexandra's face. And then she sees Michael busted. He's heartbroken. John sees Michael, and he's like, wow, I am way too handsome to even look at this dude that probably wears man-child pajamas, which he way does. Too pretty. <laughs> Alexandra finds Michael being all sad and mopey in the but, classroom and tells him that she doesn't want to leave things like this. Go ahead, Mikey. <laughs> I was just gonna say, you know, he he was just being enamored by that man berm. You know, that that's yeah. really what it was. <laughs> so, so, well. so Michael uh, and Michael was just jealous that he can't wear lipstick as well as John does. <laughs> he, was. he wishes he could. That that balmy lips of John. So John's just a friend, she tells him. You know him. He's just a smart ass and for some reason jealous of you. Jealous you know that. You. It must be the pajamas. Problem solved. Alexandra then shows she loves Michael. <laughs> or, yeah. or that bicycle that you have because, you know, he's totally not jealous with his car. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. So, Didn't Alexandra just fucking move you. there because he said that new girl? <laughs> yeah, so, she did. She's know, brand like, new. What, have they known each other all of a fucking week? Yeah. So, but it's like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 logic. It's like, dude, just moves in, and she's been there the entire time, and she's given her a ride to school and shit like that. Like, all of a sudden, you've been here for a week, and you're in love. Weird. Uh, so anyway, 
Alexandra, after committing her love to him, goes back to his house. Well, we figured and that out. Remember, she's a beard. Oh, that's right. Meryl yes, she's Sheep. gay. Meryl Sheep's, right. Yeah, Meryl Sheep's lookalike is just a beard, which is why she, <laughs> yeah. cause she was just she was tired of fucking all the other assholes in town. <laughs> so Alexandra goes back to Michael's house and finds out that he's a huge fan of racing. Sex with some well-placed posters of models, cars, and cars all over the room. She loves his room. And then the two kiss and go directly <laughs> to see you, God. They'll sex It's though. so cool. Sex down. cars are so cool. <laughs> So you got to remember, kids, this is an 80s movie and an 80s slasher movie, so you got to get ready for a montage of a lot of fucking pale skin, soft touching, and kissing. A lot of weird fucking kissing, like on chins, that you would never do in real life, but in fucking this movie, they do it a lot. And then it's like hey, on the shoulder oh, kiss. On, you don't kiss, kiss on chins, bro? Well, you don't kiss no, shoulders, no. dude? Do you know I don't, get, I don't gum are? shoulders. I don't gum dude, them like okay. they do in these 80s movies. You don't yeah, need to no, gum them. You do need to kiss them and bite them, dude. Like, you got to do all that kinky shit, bro. Dude, chicks yeah. love getting fucking their shoulders fucked with, man. Okay. Yeah. Right I'll yeah. that next time. Yeah. Do, it to, do it to Marie, bro. You'll launch her into another fucking stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that's anything, a, if, a, if anything man, it's like, 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 you know, while you're, you know, on, you know, while you're sitting there tapping that shit doggy and shit like that, that's when you sit there and hit the back of the neck as well and the shoulders and all that kind of shit, man. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I'm, more, that's, I'm more, like, that's the... more like a rape fucking, that's more like rape play, monkey. <laughs> I know. I'm talking yeah. like, yeah. like, missionary, you know, you can give her some, like, some, like, dirty eye, you know, like, give her that, like, sexy, like, that sexy king look that, yeah, that we know you have. <laughs> and then you're like, you know, you down the neck, you work over to her shoulder a little bit, you get a nibble. Like, I don't know, doing the chin while you're in, like, the, in the throes of, like, missionary, yeah, man, um, yeah, you can suck a sure. good fucking chin real quick. I... Nice I'll add it to my list. I'll have to add it. So anyway, once they're finished, Alexander lets him know that this is her first time. And then he's like, yeah, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then he's like, check out this rose that won't die because we love, love each other. And she's like, okay. So that night, Captain Dino Pajamas is back. But post-sex, he's laying in bed, arms behind the head. He's a fucking man now. He just got laid. But unfortunately, <laughs> the red eyes are back, and he's having another vision. He sees Debbie in bed asleep and he falls out of bed in a trance, crawling into the bathroom. His mom also wakes up to sounds of banging as Michael makes his way into the bathroom. We see Debbie being stabbed to death with the killer waving a special dagger in her forehead as she dies. Michael turns on the sink, seeing his face covered in blood as well as blood coming out of the sink, and this is a great time for the mom to start banging on the door. Once he hears her knocking, everything returns to normal except for the red eyes. He tells her he's fine. Once she hears her knocking, don't call her knocking. Yeah. So she has a drunken crying fit. And the next day, Michael wakes up like Michael from the Lost Boys, clad in denim, leather, and sunglasses. He wears them during breakfast, which causes concern from his mom. But it's sunglasses day at school, mom, so we're all good. And while they oh, breakfast, yeah, baby, the TV turns kid, you know, come on, show me those baby mm-hmm. browns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, while they eat breakfast, uh, the TV turns to static, and a face comes from the static, asking for Michael's help because Christie's going to die that very night. And then quickly goes back to the news before his mom can see what's going on. She questions him about the previous night, but he bails and goes to school. So then we cut to smoking hot teacher class, where this really hot teacher is talking about poetry or something. I was just so lost in her eyes, I couldn't help it. Uh, 80s hot. Yeah, definitely. definitely 80s hot. 
Yeah. And she has no unibrow. Yeah. So it's cool. So that's how you know you can like yeah, it. Absolutely. Bro, I would have put it this uh, way, man. If I, was a, if I was of age when I watched this movie, I would have probably pulled my pud to her, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a, lot of, a, a lot of Aquanet in those bangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it works. So that's the okay. teacher suddenly turns to <laughs> So the teacher suddenly turns to Michael and says he needs to take Christy Higgins out of the city by midnight. He then turns to Christy wearing a bloodstained dress, laughing at him. He stands up and away from his desk. His hottie teacher asks him what's wrong, and he tells her nothing as he sees that Christy has gone back to normal. And later at lunch, Alexandra asks Michael to come over to the house. He he just got weird-ass mid-class wood that you don't know how to fucking get rid of it. (laughs) He he should have put a book right in front of his crotch, and that would have been accepted, but he doesn't. So anyway, at lunch, Alexandra asks Michael to come over to her house later. She wants him to meet her parents. Wow, she fucking moves so fast. But Michael's like, no, I don't have time for this. So she runs over to where he sat down and tells him that she doesn't want to ever see him again. He's just an animal. And that's when John with the major lipstick out of here. Yeah. John comes in wearing his fucking Benetton sweater, walking over with a friend to bully Michael, causing him to trip and fall to the floor. Michael tries to get his sunglasses, but John steps on them. We later see that he's at an optometrist, and Michael's being checked out. His eyes are back to normal, and he mentions to his doctor that he's been having visions. The doctor tells him to go into the next room and wait for his mom. The doctor tells his mom that his problems are psychological. Maybe he's got some trauma, and his mom goes, well, I'm an alcoholic. And then they cut out. That seems over. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. Okay. <laughs> Mom's got problems. It's okay. But so later, Clyde's his favorite dino PJs again. He overhears his mom talking to her husband, Fred, on the phone. He's too busy to come home, maybe next week. Later, Michael's in bed watching TV when his phone rings. He finally answers it only to hear Alexandra on the other end, hangs up on her. I'm done. And then he throws a 12-year-old tantrum where he tears his room apart, tears up the sweet car posters, He's definitely not crazy as he screams to us. And then we see a report on his friend Debbie being killed. <laughs> he throws the little tantrum, but then we find out on the TV that Debbie had been killed after being stabbed 13 times, as well as Peter, also dead. So the police are like, you know what? There's probably only one person responsible. We're moving on with the investigation. And that's when Michael calls Tony as he has a vision of the hot teacher and how he needs to get Christy out of the city before midnight. So that's when he hops on his bike heads over to Christie's, only to find John is there. John gets mad and asks him what the fuck he wants with his sister. Michael says she's in trouble, but John demands that he leave. Michael begs him in his little fucking pajamas to listen to him. Well, John doesn't take immediate care. He just says, get out of here. He doesn't say, what the fuck is with your pajamas, dude? No, he just goes, get out of here. Fuck off. Like, I don't care. So Michael realizes that his visions are at the hospital where Christie works, so that's where he needs to go. And then he shouts for John to save Christy and then taking off on his bike to the, to the hospital. This is where I got that, that Mexican, like, Rey Mysterio type accent. You got to save her! Like, I was like, okay, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it right there. So Come Michael on. gets to the yeah. hospital. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, he does a couple BMX rad moves on, on the way to the hospital. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's doing little hops and shit. So... Uh, he, gets, he manages to get past the, the head nurse who calls security. He gets him in the elevator, and Michael has a vision of Christy and sees a bloody hand holding a big knife, the dagger that's in question, the special one. So Michael runs out of the elevator just as the killer finds Christy and confronts her. Michael bumps into two nurses who are frightened to see a man in kid pajamas who also has red eyes. So they quickly tell him where the lab <laughs> is, and Michael runs off. 
Meanwhile, Crispy hides from the killer as Michael is grabbed by a security guard. He tells Top Gun Maverick to call the lab and check in with the other nurse, meaning Christy. But as he does, the other nurse runs in with another security guard. She's like, get this fucking kid out of here. He's fucking weird. He's got kid pajamas on, and he's screaming and shit. So Christy picks up the phone as it rings, and the killer attacks her, stabbing her multiple times with that special knife. And that's when Michael lets out a, no, because his friend just died. <laughs> you would think it's going to be more dramatic than that, but that's all he can muster. Just this weird fucking, no. no so a nurse exits an elevator. <laughs> a nurse exits Dominic, an elevator with no. a car. Your mommy's going to yeah. be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we see a door slowly open up, and Christy's bloody body falls to the floor. The nurse screams in terror as we see Michael just shake his head, and he's like, man, so close. So close. But nope, <laughs> she's dead. So the nurse demands the I... guard tell her what's going on. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> and I love this part though because the nurse is bossing the security guards around when like the security guards obviously have a security issue to take care of but for some reason like this bitch is actually like she runs this fucking place man you know oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm pretty sure the guards don't actually answer to you <laughs> but, she could be the nurse but yeah. She yeah, like, like, she could actually be the person in charge. The fact that she asked the guard, like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I just got here myself. But the guard <laughs> runs to help the nurse and his partner, and that's when the nurse tries to make a citizen's arrest on Michael, but he's out of there. He's running for his fucking life. And that's when we see the killer show up, and Chase walks after Michael. The killer reveal happens, and apparently it's a possessed Tony via Virgil. He has gray hair now and some cuts on his face. Michael runs for his life and manages to escape and gets caught standing on the windowsill of his bedroom. His mom thinks I he's trying to fucking like, kill himself. I love how they kind of like play this whole idea that like when Michael is seeing the visions, he's blind. Um, mm-hmm. So like yeah. watching him like, like feel his way down the steps as he's like clumsily falling down the steps as if, you know, because you can't see, you forget how your feet work. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, we see that later on in the end of the movie when he's going down those stairs. <laughs> oh, yeah. How did stairs work? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so anyway, Michael gets back home. He's climbing back in through his bedroom window. His mom thinks it's a fucking suicide attempt. So she's like, oh, shit. And he's like, no, seriously, Tony went nuts. He's been killing all my friends. She's like, relax. Go back to sleep. I'm going to call a doctor to give you something. Doctor shows up to give him a sedative. And with Michael asleep, his dad returns home. His mom is like, not needed here. I got this all under control, and she and he blames her for Michael being crazy since she's a fucking drunk. You drink too much, that's why he's crazy. And while they argue, you use all my money, and she life. goes, "I don't need your money." And throws back the fucking stack of cash into yeah. the seminar and not using, and then this never comes up again because they obviously never. had cast members that they were like, "Hey, we need to use them, so let's let's give them something." I have, they're yeah. almost as fu- it's it's this like the parents seriously are like the biggest ripoff from Nightmare on Elm Street. All they needed to do was yep. make the dad a cop, and it would have been perfect. Yeah. Yep, it's the exact same uh, dynamic. So uh, while they're arguing, Michael being drugged, he's fast asleep. John walks into his bedroom and then just throws him over his shoulder and puts him into his car. He doesn't give him any shoes. Fucking just carries him out with the and all. <laughs> yep. Fuck, fuck <laughs> His mom, the next day, wakes up to give Michael some breakfast, but discovers that he's gone. Where is he? Michael is still asleep in the car, of, of John's car, and he wakes up in the loudest bird sanctuary ever as John attempts to kill him with a shotgun. 
John thinks Michael killed his sister, but Michael tells him that it was Tony. Meanwhile, the detective is taking down a report. Here's a question. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't think this about the narration, but, you know, you know me. Yeah. Did yep. either of you guys ever pull the pillows under the blanket thing to make it look yeah. like you were in your bed still? I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. A couple times. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. it ever yeah. work it, for it, you it, if your parents, like, did, did either of you ever get busted for it? I, did. I never got I busted. Also did not I got busted once. But, yeah, other times it worked. So, yeah. Only one time, though. And I snuck out in the middle of the I, I, I would do it as a safety precaution, but honestly, I never got caught because my mom was such a heavy sleeper that I could just sneak into the basement, work my way up through the house, and she, and if she caught me, like, in the middle of the night, I'd be like, what? I was, like, spray painting some model shit in the middle of the night like I always was, and she was like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I yeah, would I, do I, it I, as well, but it was almost like, mm-hmm. I guess I... I did it because I obviously saw it in movies. Um, I never, I never got caught, but yeah, I used to sneak out regularly to go visit my uh, my girlfriend and spend like the night over at her house on the other. Uh, she lived on Blenheim on the other side of Manalpin, so I would. Uh, oh, okay. I would yeah, I know that. Push, I would push my father's work truck out of the driveway, like by yeah, literally have to shift it into neutral and push it out so that the car, like they wouldn't hear the car starting. Um, and then I would start it up in the street and drive all the way across, you know, Manalip. And only four, I was like 14, 15 years old, too, man. Like, oh, shit. Uh, I always wonder how, it, yeah, I always wonder how I never got busted at those times. But yeah, no, I used to pull that shit off. I'd literally climb the fence of her house and then climb onto the roof of her garage to sneak into her bedroom window. And, you know, originally I would like, you know, when I had to leave in the morning, I would jump off of the garage. But then the one time I jumped off, I like kind of like rolled my ankle a little bit, like kind of like twisted it or whatever. And that scared the shit out of me from that point on. I would never jump off the fucking roof again. But instead, this would then lead to, like, awkward mer- moments in the morning where sometimes it would take me a little bit longer to get down because I'd kind of, like, shit myself a little bit as I kind of had to, like, hang over the side of the roof to, like, try to fucking foot find the fucking top of the fence again to get down. <laughs> Damn, that's yeah. a commitment. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we introduced to... The things uh, we do for push, you know? Oh, yeah, we do a lot of things. Um, so we get introduced to Detective Velasco, who is investigating the murders that happened in the hospital, and also saying to uh, Michael's mom that uh, the kid matching his description was there, so she's like, I don't understand why. Um, Michael and John arrive at Tony's to find it empty, but also a crucifix has been smashed into the wall above Tony's bed. So they decide to wait oh, a while shit. to see if Tony's going to show up. <laughs> Tony doesn't show up, and we also find out that Michael hasn't been in school for two days. So while John and Michael are waiting for Tony watching Cemetery of Terror, another Galindo Jr. movie, Michael tells John he had visions that Christmas Which killed. Which does feature the hot teacher in it, just so you know. She is it actually does. I know. I've seen that movie. Yeah, I've seen it. So before this one, actually. But anyway, uh, so Michael has to change into something more comfortable than dino PJs, and that's when suddenly the TV turns to static once more and the face appears again. It tells Michael that Virgil is doing the killing and he needs to be stopped. Robert will be killed next unless Michael takes the dagger and kills Virgil. The face is Tony, by the way, and John just doesn't believe that this is happening, doesn't believe any of it, and that's when Tony makes some roses float to prove it's him, go save Robert. So that's when they arrive at Robert to check the elder. <laughs> yeah. So we have... How we had magic. You asked and, and you received. Mm-hmm. We got final magic. So anyway, 
the Michael and John make their way to Robert's apartment. Uh, Michael armed with a gun, John with a shotgun. They walk into Robert's apartment to find the guy laying on the floor in a tank top and tidy whiteies. He's not dead, just drunk. So they decide to take him with him, destination unknown. Robert wants to know where they're <laughs> taking him, but John yells at him to get in the car. Robert's like, man, I really need to go get pants first. But I was like, no time for that. Michael's like, fuck it. I'll go get the pants. Robert, you get in the car, which he does. Michael races against time to get Robert's pants, and that's when John sees something, which causes him to leave his car. And that's when we see John walking over to a bodega with his shotgun in hand as Virgil shows up <laughs> with his bloody dagger. <laughs> Michael, and Michael sees this vision, and that's when John's like, oh, hey, so I can just take all these cigarettes? And the guy's like, fuck it, take whatever you want. He's like, oh, cool, cool. I think I will. <laughs> like, not even, like, because he's offering to pay for the cigarettes, you know, not even paying any attention to the shotgun he's got, you know, cocking his arm. That part was funny yeah. as shit. Well, I love the fact that when he first walks in, and the guy's like, I ain't got no money, man. I ain't got no cash. Yeah. And he's like, what? <laughs> I don't get the fuck. So, meanwhile, Robert gets his throat slashed, and he's killed. So John decides to go back to his car to smoke some cigarettes while waiting for Michael and not hearing Michael screaming for him to leave the car. As he smokes, he notices blood on his hand and quickly discovers Robert's dead body. Virgil appears in the back seat asking John, do you believe it's second? <laughs> causing John to jump out of the driver's seat. Virgil disappears. So Michael tells John that Virgil is definitely there. He's like, I'm blind, by the way, but I could definitely tell he's there. Uh, he's like, I don't know. I just, I just know he's here. So Virgil appears again. John fires. Virgil disappears. Virgil appears again to show off his cool dagger. He's like, check it out. And while he's super proud of that dagger, John shoots him with a shotgun blast. Thinking that he's killed him, John rushes back into the car and looks through the passenger side window, only to see that Virgil is gone. And that's when Virgil takes his time to stab John underneath the chin causing the blade to push through his mouth and killing him. N- nice effect. <laughs> yeah, you get to see the whole blade up you know, in his mouth. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah nicely so done. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Michael, now alone, is chased by John's car being driven by Virgil. Cops appear and arrest him as John Cars appears. One of the cops goes to check it out, asks his partner George for backup, and that's when he opens the driver's side door only to find John's dead body falling out. He also finds Robert's body in the back, and Michael runs the fuck off as we hit that synth soundtrack, Don't Panic, sung by Michael, by the way, John Michael Bischoff. He does the singing for the Don't Panic theme song, which is, sounds a lot like Night Trap, but Night Trap came out in 92. This came out in 97, so you see why they'd be confused. But anyway, we get to see a whole montage of all Michael's dead friends for some reason. They're all like, Michael, Michael, help us. Help us, Michael. We are ah. And he's like, stop talking to me! you gotta have another quick montage man you gotta fit it in before the movie ends <laughs> so michael runs over to alexander's parents house and he shows up unannounced of course they're having a very important dinner and michael's like i, I don't really want to stay i just want to talk to alex and of course your 70 sam uh alexander's dad with the fucking mustache uh decides no you know what you should just stay like it's gonna be fine all right you know, do you want wine? Let's have wine. So they're like, okay, fine. Let's all cheers to that. But no time for booze. Virgil is here. And that's when Michael just decides to fucking just start shooting wildly during this very important cinema <laughs> dinner. Just firing off fucking rounds. And like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, Alex, we got to go. He grabs her by the hand and they flee. Tony jumps, uh, not Tony, but Michael jumps into a car and Alex and her are driving away. 
and he tells her that everybody's being killed because of the Ouija board. She and Michael are the last from the birthday party and need to find a demon dagger. And Michael finds it as Virgil appears, and they run off into an abandoned boiler room. Where is Freddy? Not here. Not, not, not in Mexico. <laughs> so they run into a boiler room, and they're heckled a lot by Virgil, who's like, do you want to play games? I like to play games. And Michael tells Alex to run for it and tells her that he loves her. He has a final battle to go to, guys, so let's go. And Michael is immediately injured <laughs> by something, but that's not going to stop him. He's going to limp into this final fucking showdown in an electrical room <laughs> where he spots a machine and is holding up a large piece of machinery with chains. And Michael's like, come on, Virgil, come on out. Let's see what you got. And despite having a fucking foam rock thrown on his head, Michael manages to drop a piece of machinery on top of Virgil, pinning him down. I fucking died. When, when he fucking gets hit in the back of the head by this, like, foam fucking thing. <laughs> like, ow! Nerf rock. Hi, Dios mio. And of course, Virgil gets pinned under the piece of large machinery. Large pieces of machinery is only weakness. How'd you find out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he can move all over the place and disappear and whatnot. But you know, he and he gets pinned perfectly cartoon style with his head sticking out. You know, not just random body parts or anything. Head perfectly sticking out, like, oh, you got me. Like, Wally Coyote style. It's insane. So Virgil tries to trick Michael Evil Dead style by using Tony's voice as it works, because Michael's like, yeah. oh, shit, you're back. <laughs> it's like, why? No. No, he's evil. So Virgil telepathically whisks him up into the air as Alaska and Alexandra arrive. So help has arrived, but has it. Michael tells her to get the dagger and stab Virgil, which she very fucking politely does. She's not running over like, yeah, motherfucker! Like, no. She, like, walks over, and she's like, eh, eh, in his fucking chest, and he's like, oh, my only other weakness, that dagger. <laughs> she's so nice about fucking killing this fucking demon. Um, but as Virgil dies, Michael drops to the floor dead. You thought he was oh, going to make it through this fucking movie. <laughs> You know, he's, he, and he's just laying on the floor fucking dead. And Velasco looks at him and he goes, sorry, baby. And then fucking walks out. I was like, what? Like, what are you talking to her like that for? You fucking weirdo? Yeah, what do you, dude, that's a cop. You know, why are you saying sorry, baby? Yeah, this weird Tom Skerritt Spanish-looking cop. Looks like the Spanish version of Tom Skerritt. like, sorry, baby. Anyway, uh, Tony. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I'm so sorry, baby. <laughs> Want to go out sometime, eh? No, Come here. My boyfriend. Let, me, let, me check, let me check out your unibrow, baby. We give it a lick, baby. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Virgil has been defeated. Tony returns back to his body. He's like, hey, guys, I'm back. Oh, shit, wait, I've been fatally stabbed. Like, I'm, I'm fucking dying. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, I'm Alexandra. Back. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm dead again. <laughs> I'm sorry! I'm sorry! <laughs> it, the funniest fucking thing. I'm not sorry! Funny. You get fucking possessed by a fucking demon. <laughs> you get possessed by a fucking demon. You're trying to get saved, and then you wake up, and you're pinned under machinery with a fucking knife in your heart. You're like, oh, what? Damn it, I shouldn't have came back. Should have died. <laughs> 
We well, both no, no, we know Tony knows that he was possessed by a demon because Tony was in the television. You know, so, yeah. so at least it wasn't, it wasn't a shocker for him to suddenly wake up and crush my machinery. Maybe. I don't know. I guess you would assume he knows he's going to die because he had to be stabbed in order to, in order to get the fucking demon out or, or the devil, whatever it was. He just didn't expect the machinery. <laughs> so we, oh, no. we see Velasco. <laughs> so we see Velasco leaving the scene so Alexandra can mourn, and then we cut to Michael's funeral, and we see that the rose that he gave Alexandra has become wilted because he's fucking dead. So we see his mom toss some dirt onto his coffin, and then Alexandra tosses down the rose, but when it hits his coffin, it comes back to life. She's like, Hell <gasps> yeah. And then we cut oh, this. Love is Don't real. panic. Don't panic. <laughs> was gonna find you. Don't yeah. panic. Song, I was like, wow, what a our, fucking freeze frame. Our, our movie hero, Michael. Okay. <laughs> Who is the, the artist singing this song? Yes. He sings this song. And it's fucking gloriously 80s synth. Um, the fucking film quality just fucking dips real quick. When you see the end scene, like all of a sudden it's like they run out of money for film, so all of a sudden it gets real scratchy and weird as it goes and, to the, and the they full motion. on her face. On her face <laughs> as the hair is being blown back. Do you think that he was buried in those dino PJs? I'd like to think that was yeah. his final wish. <laughs> he buried in his dino PJs. Yeah. The, <laughs> dino, the dino, the, like a superhero. They were definitely suit. under They're the like suit. Superman's outfit. Like Superman's <laughs> yeah. fucking uniform that was always under every fucking piece of clothing he wore. His fucking poet is amazing, and he's wearing the fucking Dino PJs underneath the suit. He's got his sunglasses on. And the funny thing is, is that when Vinegar Syndrome released this on Blu-ray, they had a special edition where you could actually buy the pajamas that he wore. Like oh, they nice. actually replicated the pajamas. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, know, I don't think it's available anymore, but I remember when it first came out, there were so many people rocking the pajamas, and they're like, fucking don't panic. And so like, That's so disappointed. <laughs> I, want, I want jackets I wish I, yeah. like that. I, I would love Dino Jammies like fucking Michael Haddon, Don't Panic. But anyway, guys, that is Don't Panic from 1987, directed by Ruben Galindo Jr. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. But next week, Monkey, the pick goes back to you. So what uh, Jim Henson movie are we talking about? All right. Uh, yeah, so next week we are going way back. Cause it's time to fire up the Wayback Machine. So we're going back to the maniacal monsters of Monochrome. And we're going okay. to Frankenstein. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Very nice. 1943, in fact. If I'm not wrong, that could be. But, yes, I, I do remember that movie. All right. So, be a, a good creature feature. There we go. Frankenstein, Wolfman. You know, so very nice. Uh, so, looking forward to talking about that next week on the show. So, all right, Mikey, thank you so much for joining me and talking about Don't Panic. I want you to go ahead and sign yourself off. All right, everybody at home, remember, wear your dino PJs, and thanks for letting us come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Mwah. So, All right. so be- before, before I give you yeah. my, my, my ever-wonderful sign-off, I can give you a quick update on the, uh, the Scream, you know, the, the Scream prank or whatever uh, you will. So, so, so well, I've okay. sent it a number of times to, uh, to both the, the, the Google girl uh, who finds it hysterical, and says that I, I know I sent it like three times, and 
she says they say something different every single time, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, but but on the other end, I got a message from my mother asking me if I gave her number to Ghostface, um, to which I said no, like any good son. You know, well actually I played it off and said what. You know, she said, did you give my number to anyone? Ghostface called me twice tonight. I was going to call the police. So my mother was in the Okay. She, she, she then shows me that it comes up, I guess, on her fucking caller ID as Ghostface. And he's calling out of New York City with a 917 fucking area code and everything. So she has now blocked the phone number. And, uh, and yeah. So, so Ghostface Fun. I sent you guys the link. It is on the messenger. Enjoy, man. Okay, torture your parents with it. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get, when I send it to them, it'll wake them up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, hello. <laughs> I, well, well, I asked her. I, I said, did he ask you if you like scary movies? And she said, yes, it's fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to get a phone call this weekend. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, Andy? I'm weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Uh, so, uh, oh, you anyways, definitely got to do this to your brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I might have to. Oh, shit, that's back. a good idea. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You like scary movies? No, I do not. Thank you. <laughs> Hangs up. Doesn't even want to engage. <laughs> All right, go on I don't accept phone calls well. from solicitors. <laughs> that sounds exactly like something you would say, too. <laughs> Are you a Democrat? If so, I'm not going to fucking talk to you, asshole. Hey, Matt, <laughs> I love a, Joe don't Biden. Don't give me any of no. liberal nonsense. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Matt, Joe Biden here. Just wanted to say, great job and do what you're doing. No! <laughs> you're a Not fucking Bernie, bro, aren't you? Yeah. I heard you like Bernie Sanders. No! I only like Trump. Well, he's not here. <laughs> oh, I got to fuck with him. All right. Hey, go ahead and sign yourself up, Ghoul, as we close up the episode. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. And what's your favorite scary movie? Because I know what mine will be tomorrow. Showgirls, absolutely terrifying. Rest in peace, Randy Meeks. We miss you. (laughs) Wherever you are, floating up in that video store in the sky. And anyway, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Angie G, thanking you so much for listening to this episode of the show. We'll see you back here next week for the Mad Monkeys Film Pick of the Week, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. But until then, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. We'll see you back here next time, folks. And don't pass.